from Slickback Studios headquarters in Brooklyn, New York, Mike Coscarelli, Matt Lajeski, and Adam Foster are the Sports Group. All sports, all men, all right. Sponsored by Falstaff Beer, America's favorite beer for the drive home. Welcome back to the only group in America for the boys. You are now in the pulse-pumping, fist-bumping, cock-sucking sports group. I'm your host, Mike Coscarelli, joined as always in Chicago by the Polish nightmare himself, Matthew Lajeski. Matt? Actually, a guest appearance this evening from the great state of North Carolina. (laughs) And your sister has a dog? No, no, no. Oh, no, oh that that's mu- my dog. That must have been <laughs> my co-host in San Diego, California, Adam Foster. Your dog. Can you shut that fucking thing up? <laughs> she, she always tries to come on camera as soon as we fucking start. I heard She's a dog, and I was normally. like, that Matt must be beside himself if Jules has a dog. I, I, I wouldn't have come. Yeah, we know. We all know no, that Matt I, I, is not a dog lover. I can do it for a short period of time. I just, I'm not. A, I don't want to be an owner. You know what I mean? I, w- I would yeah. be uh, I, w- I would be neglectful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I go on dates with a lot of chicks in New York that have dogs because they don't have children. <laughs> and uh, they... Or personalities. Or, or personalities. That's or right. anything other than their career. Yeah. Well, Mikey, having a dog is just like having a kid. Yeah. I tell that to every parent I meet. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, you are a... 31 year old white girl basically i mean essentially i i I stay fit i live a positive life (laughs) stay fit you say affirmations every morning yeah i've got a cute little dog and a cute uh designer cat (laughs) i'm like a i am an instagram white girl you really are you have both now you got a cat again I did get the same kind of cat that I lost in the breakup three years ago. I got a similar, I got the same breed. <laughs> this guy can't get enough again. of cats. Dude, cats are great. No, they're not. They're disgusting. There are, there are, there are rabbits in the backyard of my sister's place here. And uh, let me tell you, watching them is beyond wonderful. Are you turning into an animal person? I I like, I've always liked wild animals. You know, I generally like animals that are predators the most. Right. But things that can kill. kill. Yeah. Right. Uh, Which is part of the reason why (laughs) I don't really like dogs because, like, that's been taken out of them. You know what I mean? So many dogs are just meant to kill. Yeah. Now they just like flop around and you take pictures of them, which I get it. I get the appeal of it. But I want, you know, kill an animal with a killer instinct but then i see these bunnies out here and they just eat these little flowers and they hop around and they're adorable honestly yeah this has given me some some flashbacks to our good friend tony sobrano <laughs> the ducks <laughs> with the, 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 the sociopathic <laughs> animal lover <laughs> well matt last week uh it was our second week of work uh, yes. and you didn't show up so why don't you fill the audience in on where you were, what you were doing? We kind of gave them an idea, but if we were accurate, let's or not, hear it from the mouth say. of the man himself, the the elitist right, himself, folks. Adam Jew Foster. Where was I? Well, I was in the beautiful island of Kona, in the beautiful state of Hawaii, at the Four Seasons Resort, with some like-minded, beautiful people, um, and it actually. If you know the song Beautiful People by Ed Sheeran and uh, whoever else sings it, that nope. was just playing in my head the whole time over to speakers. I, I felt important. Um, and then I went off. We went off resort one day to like the little town. And I could not have been more disgusted by really just normal people. But when you're surrounded by when you're on the Four Seasons is was rated one of the most beautiful properties and resorts in the world. And, you know, a ton of 
famous people um, show up there all the time. Like Blake Lively's there uh, a couple times a year. Megan Fox was there with Get to uh, it, Machine Adam. Gun Kelly. And that was just in it's, your room. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was just the party going on. Um, but it was nice. I mean, I, I'm feeling relaxed. I don't even feel like, you know, talking mean about anyone today. So I'm going to just be super nice. I'm just, I'm just loose, boys. I'm sure you'll find it in you to talk mean about somebody. Uh, there's a lot that we have to discuss today on the sports group. We're playing catch up because Adam wasn't here. Um, so when the three of us are together, there's a different energy and a different vibe. And it gets feral, you know? Violent, some might say. Yeah, yeah. You talk about animals that can kill. You talk right. about us, baby. Ah, the sports group, we're crazy. <laughs> uh, but speaking of crazy, uh, before we get into our big topics here, let's recap some of the local things that we've been watching. Obviously, Matt, when you and I were recording the podcast uh, last week, the Knicks had not been eliminated yet from the final, uh, from the NBA playoffs, but. We were assuming that that was going to happen, mm-hmm. and then it did happen. Things, They're gone. Uh, yeah, things went according to plan. Uh, as a Knicks fan, sort of feels like an overall win for the season, I got to be honest. Um, obviously, it was a bummer to see them not make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, but, I mean, this was a team that when the season started, I think most Knicks fans were saying at best, they're like a play-in team. And they, in my mind, exceeded those expectations. You can't really change the expectations for a team in the middle of the season. You right, can, definitely but not. it's just not definitely really not. fair. You know? So if you were looking at this team before the season started saying, if they make it, you know, first round of the playoffs or they steal a round or whatever, then that is a success. Then I feel like overall, you can't bitch about this Knicks season if you're, if you're a Knicks fan. So... Uh, bummer to see them get, get tossed, but I mean, overall I'd say it's positive. And now we go into the draft. We, we did have some, uh, obviously tonight as we're recording, this was the draft lottery. Um, the Spurs got the number one pick, so they're going to end up getting Victor Wambanyama. But, um, we have some commentary here from my dad who was watching the friend draft of the show. live friend of the show. Very good friend of the show. Alan Coscarelli. Shout out. Um, he said, if the Knicks don't get the Mavs pick, I don't think they should have one. Oh, if the, let's pick that up. If the Knicks don't get the Mavs pick, I don't think they have one this year. Dallas should lose their pick. So they have the 10th pick by tanking. They screwed the Knicks. That's bullshit. There you go. Very passionate Knicks fan, Alan Coscarelli. <laughs> and some excellent analysis of that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a real sports guy. I would, um, I would agree with him, you know, hot take. Yeah, I well, and you're also looking at this this NBA season, you know, two playing teams are now in the Western in their respective conference finals. You have the the Lakers uh and the the Heat. So, I mean, if you don't think you can make a run with Kyrie and Luka Doncic, Doncic to the who cares how to say his name. <laughs> if you don't think you can make a run with those guys in the playoffs, then you know, I don't know what you're thinking, what you're doing, you know, Kyrie's still an elite ball player, even if he is a major pain in the ass, you know? Yeah. He's more of an elite asshole than he is anything else, but his talent on the court is still, I mean, I don't know what other point guards or guards in general, you take over him. It's probably not more than five. No, well, it's like, do you are you considering what a pain in the ass he is? Because that's the thing. If you if it's just talent, I, he's probably a top three point guard. I can't. Are there that many guys that are like better at the position than him? Probably not. He's just a handful. Top like five you, you, point guard, bottom five teammate. I would say that's that's what. He oh, is. easily, 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 easily. Um, do you think he's a bad teammate? Because players seem to be willing to give him a shot. And play with them. LeBron played with them. He won a championship with them. They played together for a few years. Yeah. Well, the LeBron, the LeBron Kyrie era was kind of like pre Kyrie being a drama queen. Like we didn't know Kyrie ate the whole bottle of red pills. Yes, (laughs) that's right, Matt. So we didn't know yet, and he was just kind of this great ball player. But the first Kyrie is a little out there move was that he forced his way out of Cleveland. Right. If they just won a championship. He was playing with LeBron and he was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And people were like, why? What? And then it right. all went downhill from sick. there. He kind of got sick of, of playing with LeBron. 
But the I, problem is he's not good enough to carry a team on his own, and he thought he probably could, and he can't. Well, it just seems like he's, by all accounts, sort of like a bad leader. Like KD's he's like that leader. too. Yeah, you just had two guys on that Nets team that just didn't. They had no real uh, uh, perspective on like how to lead a team, and they're the two best guys on the team. So it's like I disagree with on on the KD piece. I think he's got a got the leader quality. Why? He's what got. Makes you think he that? does elevate the team in a way. Uh, I I just think he, he's he. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I don't watch that much basketball. <laughs> sure. Well, you Stop do watch asking baseball. second and third level questions, bro. <laughs> I love it. It's very Stephen A. Back no no stats to back it up, but a strong point of view. That's how we come. <laughs> as long come as you argue passionately, team. who gives a fuck? Right. That's what this. That's what this podcast is all about. It's passionate arguments and little factual information. That that's we right. Know. Uh, before we move on here, let's talk baseball real quick. Adam, uh, what are you seeing with the Yankees? You like what's well, going on? Let's 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 ask what Aaron Judge is seeing when he's glancing over at the dugout right before he smacks a fucking big ass home run against the Blue Jays yesterday. Uh, the Blue Jays accused the Yankees of, I guess, maybe stealing signs or some kind of you know violation of the rules because apparently. It's not apparently right before Aaron judge hit a home run. He was in the batter's box, glanced over at the, uh, the uh, dugout and then smack one out of the, out of the park. And the blue Jays considered that cheating. Listen, the judge just slammed his gavel right on the fucking bench. And that's the end of it, boys. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And, And they're playing right now. I think they're like tied three, three, Yep, but I'm I'm feeling optimistic about the Yankees at this point. I think they're on the up and up. They're a little bit healthier. Bader's back. He's good. This dude Jake Bowers actually really solid. Um, Judge is starting to catch on. He's had like two multi home run games in the last week. I want to say, um, and both of them kicked off comebacks. So I'm feeling I'm feeling on the up and up about the Yankees. Matt. I mean, yeah, I don't feel nearly as negative as I did at this time last week. Lucky you guys, because the Mets keep losing. <laughs> it's bad. They're not even competitive in these games, man. They're getting blown out. I mean, right now they're getting their asses kicked by the Rays as we tape this. Um, but Verlander pitched, so you, you wouldn't think that they'd be losing. They were losing 6-1 last time I checked before I turned the game off. But my goodness, they are bad. And I mean, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I'm going to be saying that every week as we do these sort of like local check-ins to start the show. It's bad. And someone's going to have to get fired like soon, I think. And I don't, I hope it's not Buck. I don't think it'll be Buck because I don't think you can saddle uh, a team that just is, is constantly hurt. There's, there's no healthy pitching on that team. And honestly, I think it's Epler, the GM. I think that dude's got to go. It seems like most of the signings and the trades that he's he's made since he's been there, at least in the last two years, have primarily backfired for the most part. Like Scherzer's looks kind of done. Verlander's barely well, pitched, and now Verlander's well, here's had what he did. what he took all the pitchers that were available, yeah, and he sorted them by oldest to youngest, <laughs> and he started at the top of the list. And he said, "Give me the forty-year-old Hall of Famer, <laughs> yeah, who's going to be broken down immediately." It's bad, dude. It's really bad. Then they had this. They signed this guy Jose Quintana, who I think was on the Brewers before this, who was supposed to be kind of their like middle of the the rotation depth, who has just been hurt the whole season, hasn't pitched. And then all the trades he made last year: Darren Ruff and Tyler Naquin, both bums, not on the team anymore. Daniel Vogel back as much as I love him because he's fat and I love a fat baseball player. Uh, he's not really hitting. They're in trouble, man. They have an old team. They have a couple like rookies on the team who I guess are coming into their own a little bit, but not enough to save the Mets season. So this is going to be a big problem moving forward. They're they're seven. When they lose tonight, they're going to be seven and a half games back on the Braves who don't lose. So it ain't great. Not what you want to see. And they're going to be in last place in in the division. So. I mean, you know, I told him may, but like, what can you do? Like, you can't not hit the panic button. I mean, point. listen, there are many times when the Mets are in good position in August and it doesn't work out. September. So last year. Yeah. 
Last year they were going to win the division and then they fucking they lost it in the last like week of the season. So, I mean, listen, man, and the Braves kind of did this the right way. They built up a, a team that's just like um, kind of like the East Coast Dodgers where they haven't really signed a lot of big names. They just have this great farm system. And it's like last year it felt like every time somebody would get hurt, they would just bring up a stud from the minors and they'd become an all-star. And it was just like, what the hell is going on over here? Spencer Strider all of a sudden is just like the best pitcher in the National League. What the fuck? Did, who is this guy? How the fuck did this happen? You know? So it's not looking great. Uh, looks like I cut my finger open on something. So I think it's a perfect time to transition into this is pretty bad, actually. Listen, it looks as, like- as much as you were just talking about <laughs> the Mets the way you were, you should just be glad it wasn't your wrist, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to basketball. Mm. We have an NBA roundup here that we want to talk about. There's a lot to discuss. A lot of people to trash. As the NBA playoffs. A lot of people to trash. Adam, so get that nice shit out of your system. Uh, I don't care that you were just in Hawaii. But listen, we're talking about Ben Simmons, okay? So it's time to really mm, get that venom going and flowing through your veins. Yeah. Well, before we get to Ben Simmons, the first thing that I think we have to talk about is Doc Rivers finally fired. From again. Or, fired again. Again. Yeah. Fired again. Uh, finally uh, parts ways with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. I think this was a long time coming. This is a team that's sort of underachieved for the last couple seasons. And I mean, the Doc Rivers stats, not great. Matt, do you have him in front of you? Well, so I, yeah. Where do you want to start? Do you want to just start with his career in and of itself? Do you want to start in comparison to the other all-time coaches that he's compared to that are in the league right now? Let's do that second. Where should we start? So Doc Rivers, okay, who did make the NBA 75 top 15 coaches of all time. Crazy. No one's saying Doc Rivers is a bad coach, by the way. Well, maybe maybe we are. I don't know yet. But <laughs> what do you guys? What do you think is his career winning percentage? Top fifteen all time coach Doc Rivers. What is his career winning percentage? Regular season and postseason together. Uh, this is from what I can tell. Regular season only. I don't know that it'd be better if we included the playoffs, uh, because. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at his playoff right now. As we know, he's got the most game seven losses. Is it ever? Twice as many as any any coach ever. Right. So 10 game seven losses. Double digit game seven losses. Now, at least he made it to that many game sevens, I guess. But But he also has seven blown 3-1 and 3-2 leads. Another not great. That's a horrible stat. Yeah. That's not great. Doc Rivers' career win percentage regular season over under 600. Under. You are correct. I'm going to say, whoops, I was going to say under. You're also. You know what? Let's not forget who the real hero is. His beautiful wife, Kristen Rivers, who supports... (laughs) His failures year after year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt. All right. So he's he's got a what's the what's the winning percentage? It's five ninety. I'm surprised it's that high. Well, I gotta be honest. That's really bad. For I mean, for, it's bad. For, also, the guys he's been he's coached some teams with some massive talent. To think that you know we were just talking before the show started. He coached that Celtics team. And he had that team for a couple years, right? And he's still only going a little bit over 500. He was in Boston and this, for... the Sixers team. He coached the big three in Boston. He coached Kawhi and Paul George on the Clippers. Not for his whole he tenure also, with the Clippers, but for half of it. He also coached Lob City. Yes, with the, the, right. With the Clippers. That's true. And yeah, so that was the beginning of his tenure with the Clippers. Right. Yeah, and so then that it transitions from that to Kawhi and Paul George, and then he's got Embiid for his entire duration coaching in Philly, and he still is only a five ninety win percentage all time coach in the regular season. Uh, and as we and said, he also 
He coached a bunch of the uh, uh, Dwight Howard Orlando Magic teams, I believe, as well. Yeah, he was the Magic coach. Or maybe maybe Dwight Howard came in right after. I think it was right after because he was the Magic yeah. coach from 99 to 04. Yeah, so the brunt of his career, I guess he, at this point he's almost split between Boston and uh, the Clippers. And then he did a couple seasons there in Philadelphia. Yeah. But, I mean, all of the Clippers teams that he coached were uh, underachieved. I mean, you had a... Uh, I, Obviously, there's a bunch of reasons why those Clippers teams didn't win and like Blake would get hurt a lot and Chris Paul would would at that point his career wasn't hurt all the time, but uh they also did have the misfortune of kind of running into the the Warriors mm-hmm. when they were kind of becoming the Warriors. So that does kind of suck. And I don't know if you can necessarily blame him for all of that because I mean the Warriors were But on buzzsaw. the same note, can you credit him for the wins? Can you credit him for the championships or did he just have the right team at the right time? So he has never really coached a lot of teams that don't have a lot of talent on them. Right. Like, is he the guy that elevates? And now, granted, okay, Phil Jackson, greatest coach of all time, you know, he coached three of the top 10 players to ever play. So it's not like, it's not like all time coaches are doing it with bums. But the fact of the matter is Doc has coached multiple Hall of Famers across multiple teams. And I'm not saying he's a bad coach by any stretch. He's going to get hired again soon. But I do think he has underwhelmed a bit given what he's had. Well, yeah, even when he landed in Philly, he immediately had – I mean, he – listen. Should a coach be getting fired if he's made – an Eastern Conference final or no, they didn't make the Eastern Conference finals. They they got beat on their way to the Eastern Conference finals. I mean, look, I think at a certain point when you feel like you're over the hump, you got to make some sort of move. And it just seems like maybe Philly blows the whole thing up and they get rid of Embiid also. Like there's a possibility because no. I, I don't know, man. Harden. Everybody in the NBA circles is saying that he is going back to Houston. He misses those strip clubs. I, I was, yeah, I was just about to say there's nowhere outside. The, at this point in his career, I can't see him playing anywhere other than Houston or Atlanta. Yep. He's an old man now. Yep. And yep. he's wealthy. Yep. And there's one thing we know about old wealthy men. They like to trick off. And nobody tricks off quite like James Harden. So That's right. He, he's got a few women that he's got to put through, uh, you know, uh, phlebotomy school. Absolutely. What's a trick off? Just like, you know, blowing money on uh, like a trick, you know, if, if a, a, a woman is, uh, you know, an escort or a stripper, you know, she has tricks. That's who's giving her the money. Um, and he's a John. James Harden likes to trick off. And Matt has some infri- inside information on that. Matt has sources close to James Harden. <laughs> and that's not even a joke. <laughs> I've heard some. I mean, I wouldn't say close, close, but yes, I, I have gotten some inside scoops over the years, which is hilarious. So Harden, I'd be surprised at this point if he doesn't go back to Houston. I have a feeling that Harden is the type of guy that just loves the fact that he could like go live in Texas and not pay taxes because it seems yeah. like he fucking hated Brooklyn. I would imagine he's like all right with Philly just because Daryl Morey is there, but like. I can't imagine Philly was like an ideal destination for him. And I, or I think anyone. he's from, yeah, yeah, right. I think he's a California guy or right. I think he's from California. Know. Yeah. Regardless, uh, I don't think he's going to be in Philly. So it's like, uh, this is the ultimate question. You fire your coach. Do you fire your coach to keep somebody like Embiid happy? Or are, do you look at this as like Philly saying, fuck it, we're going to blow the whole thing up. Uh, or maybe uh, imagine Philly trades away Joel, Joel Embiid, keeps Harden because Daryl Morey's there, and then they bring in D'Antoni. Does that that'd be a disaster? Now you run it back it's in in Philadelphia, the old uh, uh, Houston Harden Rockets in Philly. Come on now, they're How fun not. That yeah, Philly is not primed to do to make any sort of a run with the current roster. I don't think being what it is, and especially if they yeah. got rid of Embiid. No. Yeah. If that happens, Harden's just going to put on 25 pounds and just sh- go back to his his tortured artist era. 
uh, yeah. that he was in at the end of Houston. Yeah. Um, Adam, you want to add anything to this Doc Rivers conversation? Nah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just have one question next season because doc probably gets hired somewhere right he's yeah he's, uh, I, I, phoenix so what's more likely next year a doc rivers underwhelming playoff effort or john morant busting that gun on instagram live what's more likely Dude, I love him with that gun. It's like that. It's like a guy. It's like a fucking guy who has to take his dick out. You know, you just can't help it. It's so and it's at this point, it's so impulsive. It's just like every time a camera's on him, he can't help but pull that gun out. It's it's bizarre. John Morant pulling out the gun is like Louis C.K. pulling out his dick. Yeah, he knows he He shouldn't be doing it, but he just can't stop. So funny. And what he's doing isn't technically illegal either. Right. A valid point. It's a sick world we live in, right? Right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to answer your question, Matt, I think it depends on where Doc goes. There are, um, as of right now, you've got the Toronto job open. You've got the Suns job open. You've got the Bucks job open. Um, Doc probably goes to the Suns. That seems to be the most likely place. I think. I don't know. This is. I'm going to say he goes to the Bucks. Why? I say Doc goes to the Suns and Jaws busting those guns. So, <laughs> so the real answer, the real answer to that question, Mike. Yeah. The true answer is that it's a vibe. <laughs> but <laughs> it's all about the vibes. It's all about the vibes. I, I mean, really, it's just, it's just a, a feeling. I think Milwaukee's kind of, uh, they don't make great decisions. I, you know, once Giannis is gone, they're going to float back into irrelevancy. And, and by the way, I know nothing about the Milwaukee Bucks history, so maybe they do make good decisions. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I love this analysis. Listen, that's the nature. He put his money on the the table. (laughs) He was like, he's going to the Bucks. (laughs) Bro, what kind of fucking person knows every single thing about every single sport? Come on now. Uh, You know, credible person, which we are not. Uh, Well, is this called called sports credibility group? Fuck no. No, this is the group, baby. Yeah, it's the group. Um, All right. Uh, Some more NBA stuff. Uh, we've got uh, Ben Simmons trolling, um, the Sixers as they were getting bounced out of the, the, uh, the playoffs. Crazy to think that somebody could be so just not self-aware. Tone deaf. Yeah. Lacking yeah. self-awareness. I mean, let's cut to the chase at this point. Is Ben Simmons a basketball player or is he an influencer? Honestly, man, it, it's so true. I, I don't know. He It felt like he barely played last year. When he did play, it was kind of like, is he coming off the bench? Like, I think he was like the seventh or eighth man at the end of the season uh, for the Nets. I, I don't I don't. He didn't play in the playoffs at all. They sent him home. That's when he gets the most nervous. Yeah. You know? That's yeah, when, when the games matter. The most anxious in the playoffs yeah. when it really matters. When you, you know, your 40 million dollars should really be you should really be showing up. He can't do it. It's crazy to me to work that hard at becoming an NBA player and to be unable to perform when you get there. You did all the things right all the way up to it, and then you get to the NBA and you can't do it. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I think the rub on him, whether this is true or not, because we're not there, but I think a lot of the... The people that work inside basketball seem to think that like he he hasn't worked very hard at it. That he's just like what is he six ten? I mean, uh, he's like a super gifted guy, but apparently just has never really been much of a worker. Like he he I think he sat out the tournament run with uh, LSU. Yeah, he did when he was in college. That was a business like, decision. Which like listen, Zion kind of did the same thing, right? He didn't. I mean, granted there was an injury involved. But, yeah, uh, but Zion played in the tournament. Yes, he did not finish the tournament, right? But I think it was because he was hurt. 
Maybe, but I remember him. I I know that he 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 definitely played. Yeah, like it wasn't as bad. It wasn't nearly as bad as as Ben Simmons, where Ben Simmons is just kind of at every every turn in his career has just like anytime he's had any sort of pushback, he is just like like flailed. Can we call him Bum Simmons for now? And is that how we refer <laughs> sure. him on this podcast? I think that's fine. I all mean, right. I don't see why he just. I don't know, man. He he he's also just like of all the players in the NBA, there's a lot of like childish guys that that play in the NBA because it just seems like the sport where you can get in the youngest and be the most relevant as a teenager still if you're that good. Yeah. And um, you can, yeah, I mean you're making a lot of money initially and you have the most Yeah, I mean of of all major US sports, the players for sure have the most power in the NBA, which yeah. I'm not against, you know? But it's like that old phrase, you know, with great power comes uh, great responsibility to not right. be a fucking pussy. <laughs> That's right. And listen, I wish I could do a Stephen A impression right now because I, I wrote a pretty decent short monologue about Ben Simmons. Uh, you guys want to hear it? Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Okay. I'm not even going to try to do, but the most hateable athlete right now. It's Ben Simmons. He's constantly injured, oftentimes without any proof. He needs time away to focus on his mental health. He's passing up on a wide-open layup with only Trey Young on defense. That's his, what he's most known for. Athletes are supposed to be alpha males. How could you think this guy is going to lead you? You can't. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Was that underwhelming? Bravo. I mean, my dick's not hard, Maddie, but that's all right. All right. Now (laughs) contrast that with what Stephen A. actually did say. How the hell are you talking about a basketball player when you treat putting on a basketball uniform and dribbling on the basketball court to play as if somebody asked you to get on the front lines in Ukraine to fight Russia? Oh, man. That's how scared he is to play basketball. He is the best in the business. I'll tell you what. I I I got a little ways to go. Let's be honest. Um, what, how, that is so perfect. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You just go ahead and and call this guy such a pussy that he, he's him not playing basketball is the same as someone asking him to go fight on the front lines in the Ukraine. Wow. Indisputably incendiary. I love it so much. Oh, incredible. Incendiary to say the least. It's just like, he's not, he, but he his contract dictates that he's going to be the face of the franchise essentially right yeah um is that a guy who can realistically be the face of your franchise like other people when they're when they're no. phoning it in like <clears throat> harden phones it in if he's unhappy but then he, he you know he's obviously at the tail end of his career but he still puts on a show when he feels like, like when when he wants to be there the question yeah. is like does simmons even want to be there at all anywhere and to harden's credit I actually do respect this aspect of Harden. Harden shows up out of shape, which is like disgraceful, but he plays. Yeah. You know, like he just plays fat as hell. He shows up with a disgusting beard, fucking probably reeking of, of, uh, you know, Patron and uh, yeah, Moet or whatever. Yeah. From the night before and just goes out there fat as hell and drops like 25 on an Still off night. Still got glitter in his beard from the yeah. night before. Yeah. But he drops but he's out 40. there. Yeah. He is out there. He's hooping. Absolutely. So ben it's Simmons like, is a disgrace. Yeah. He really he really is, man. Just so disappointing. And I don't like to trash athletes because let's be honest. I mean, these are the elite human beings of the earth. You know what I yeah. mean? In so many ways. And the most but important people. it almost kind of makes it worse. The idea that like you have all these physical gifts, these natural gifts. And then like Adam, you said you work so hard your entire life to get to the pinnacle of what a human being is capable of doing. And then you're like, yeah, I don't know if I can do it tonight. That's what Ben Simmons is. Yeah, just brutal. Well, let's move on to some uh, NBA players that we really like. We're going to do this before we go into break. Who is left in the NBA playoffs? That is the most rootable star to root for. Well, let's recap. We've what teams we got left for the folks at home. <laughs> yes, for the folks at home, and not Adam. 
<laughs> We've got the Lakers. <laughs> We've got the Nuggets. <laughs> well played. <laughs> We've got, that's the pro right there. We've got the Heat. Uh, and we have got the Boston Celtics. Hmm. All right. I fucking don't like Jason Tatum. And honestly, it's because he's better than me in every way. And it irks me. But aren't all these guys better than you in every way? Uh, but Jason Tatum, especially. No, they're not. Like, Jokic is ugly. Like, <laughs> he's, he's not a good looking guy. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, LeBron, he's. Pretty much better than me in every way. I'll admit that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and who else? Well, you know, I do like Jimmy Butler. I, you know, I was going to say LeBron here, but I think Jimmy Butler is going to be my my pick because Miami Heat are. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about him. I don't know, but uh, again, I like the vibe. He's 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 popping off in the playoffs, and he's the opposite. He's the anti Ben Simmons in this Ooh. case. He's showing up when it matters most. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Jimmy Butler would for sure be a foxhole guy if he was fighting the war against Russia for the Ukrainians. I don't think he would, considering that there's a lot of Nazis in Ukraine. But, uh, you know, I think, yeah, Jimmy Butler's a hard guy not to root for. It's like Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing to dislike about him. He goes hard at his own teammates when they're phoning it in. You know, he's not the most skill-wise, you know, like, he's not an upper, upper echelon skill player, in my opinion, in the NBA. But he's he gets it done. He's given 100% all the time. He's a great leader. How can you not love that guy? Yeah, and I matched with a chick on Hinge once who told me she had a threesome with him and Tyler Harrow, and he had a huge cock. So I might have to change my pick. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler, listen, I'm with you, Matt. I second everything you said. And, I mean, I could have assumed that he had a big cock, but now knowing for sure that he's got one. I mean, Was it a threesome or was Jimmy just fucking her while Harrow was in the corner watching? I never got the full details. (laughs) She didn't actually go out with me, but (laughs) I got got the scoop. (laughs) Was this this like her fun fact or something? Uh, I don't know. We were just talking and it got like sexual kind of quick. And then she told me about she, she was like, her voice don't note. hate me if. Yeah. Don't hate me if I had a threesome in Miami with two players from the heat. <laughs> no, she left me a voice note and she was like, she was like, oh, yeah, I have this story that I have to tell you about uh, about Tyler Hero and uh, Jimmy or Jamie Butler. Uh, I don't really remember his name, but he had a huge cock. That and strikes like, me as being a true story then. If yeah. she fucked up the name, but she remembered yeah. the dick. Yep. And this girl doesn't didn't even let you take her out for a drink, Mikey. I didn't get I didn't get a chance. I, I was felt bad about it. Have you unmatched with her? No, but it was just months ago. This you was got like, it, like I loved that back in my single days, like, you know, when it would be like really going well with a girl. And then for whatever reason, it like it tapers off. Then a couple months go by. You just go back to like the conversation because nobody's unmatched. You still think maybe there's something there. You got to just like. Come up with some sort of a line like uh, they call me the white Jimmy Butler. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But, yeah, that's why Jimmy has my vote for the uh, even though he bounced out the Knicks and I kind of hate the heat. It's very hard to not like Jimmy Butler because he does have a team man like to bring it also back to like our criticism of Doc. Like Spolstra is a guy like he stuck it out through a lot of down years in between with the heat. You know, I, I don't necessarily think he's ever been the best coach in the NBA, but really? I do respect the guy for, okay, I won a couple in a row. I had a dynasty. Now everybody left and the team sucks, yeah. but I'm still here. He's a great coach, man. Yeah. I I don't I, know if he's the best in the NBA, but I don't know if he's far from it. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go a little I, off better? topic here. Okay, of course, Adam, go ahead. But I do... I think I like a lot of the Miami coaches, the Miami Heat coach, the Miami Dolphins coach, mm. and then the Miami Marlins coach is Don Mattingly, right? No. He's a manager. Okay, well. Do you do a sports was, show, uh, Adam? Uh, <laughs> that was a bit that fell flat. Hey, listen, I'm enhancing the show here with my lack of information. I, I, I wish we had like the live chat going up so people would be like, you fucking idiot. You don't know shit about anything. Our we Discord need an audience is going to be, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good. All right. I, I think it's a perfect time to take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk about uh, a sports legend that doesn't get quite the run that he should. Uh, an ESPN legend that we can't wait to talk about. Uh, and the sport that we're going to be talking about is poker. So Might not around. be a sport by our definition, but real competition nonetheless. It's got, this guy's an athlete. Yeah. Stick around. We'll be right of back. The mind. All right, we're back on Sports Group today and this week. I was going to say the sports world, but I don't know about the sports world, but certainly the degenerate world is mourning the loss of poker innovator, poker all-time legend, Doyle Brunson, the godfather, right? Uh, 88 years old. He has passed on. We're sorry to see him go. Uh, Doyle Brunson was one of the first people that I can remember watching things like the world series of poker when I was a kid, when poker became like a, like a popular thing in the culture when we were, you know, like preteens and stuff. Uh, he was always a super interesting personality to have on television, kind of like the, um, uh, quintessential like Texan barroom poker player, big 10 gallon hat, Southern drawl, you know, look kind of like a cartoon character a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean... He was a caricature. If he went to the boardwalk and got one of those caricatures, it would just look exactly like, like him yeah. right there. Like, they, the would, they would be like, we're neck. changing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I also want to... Oh, no, I was going to say, it's because I started watching Doyle at the beginning, too, uh, in the 2000, was it 2001 World Series of Poker, whichever one Chris Moneymaker won. I was in middle school. We would have poker nights every Friday night. And I thought Doyle Brunson was on death's door back then. Like, every day <laughs> I would wake up and think, he's going to die. And I'm surprised that he lasted this long. And it's kind of funny because he looked really bad for, I guess, when he was 70 years old. But he looked great for 89 because he looked about <laughs> well, he the same. He stopped he didn't aging make it to after 89. 70. <laughs> yeah. 88, 88. I mean, yeah, there's – I heard Negranu talk about him, about how he kind of like transcended eras, right? He started playing poker in an era before there were any simulations, before there was any way to figure out all different types of odds – immediately so he would do all that stuff him and his poker buddies they would do all that stuff by hand so you figure he goes from playing in illegal back rooms where you have to figure everything out on your own to writing the book on poker to then transitioning into the online era you know what i mean it's like it's truly a legendary guy and nowadays i bet that you could sit at the table it's probably not illegal yet but it might it might be with chat GPT in your in your phone and just type in what hand you have and get the exact odds that you have for hitting sure. a certain bet. Yeah. You could probably put in exactly what's in the pot. And Doyle yeah, figured yeah. out all, all on his own. All on his own, yeah. While knowing full well he could have been robbed at gunpoint at yep. any moment for a majority of his career. Well, I, I saw bits and pieces of that Daniel Negrano interview that you sent, Matt, which was uh, obviously the a very he's a very famous poker player, if you're not familiar. And uh, the interview that you're talking about was on the Lex Friedman podcast. Um, and he was just talking about how through all the eras of Las Vegas, where the mob was like heavily running things, uh, sort of like the casino, like the Scorsese casino type deal. Um, that Doyle Brunson like, knew all these guys. He was threatened by some of the dudes that were like portrayed on movie screens, um, which, you know, I don't know if that's the way things still run. You know, I've been in casinos. You guys have both been in casinos a little more than I have, but um, yeah, I, I wonder if there's still the element of danger that existed when a guy like Doyle Brunson was coming up because Honestly, you even look at some of the guys that are on TV playing with him and it's like the thing that I loved about Doyle Brunson as we're watching back all these these sort of clips today in his in his honor preparing for this was that 
he reminds me of the type of guy that like has to play cards. You're going to go to a card game oh, yeah. and you're going to see that guy with the 10 gallon hat. And like, like he's just, he is, he is ubiquitous to what like old school poker used to be. Whereas now I think that poker really is kind of just like every other sport. Not that poker is a sport, but you know what I mean? Run by the nerds Analytics. where it's like, yeah, I mean, these computer geniuses that, that play well, poker. Doyle's, Doyle's the one of those guys that made it out because there are about 55 other Doyle Brunsons in a Vegas card room right now with the 10 gallon hat about to suck some guy off in that back alleyway for a sandwich <laughs> because they just blew their fucking work, uh, money that and week. So. Absolutely. And there's another 55 guys that, uh, as, as Lake Mead continues to dry up, are going to wash up on the shores and, you know, Doyle somehow made it out. To your point, Mike, about how like that's the guy that just needs to play. Like that's what he's gonna do. This is a quote yeah. from uh, kind of like a somewhat of an obituary style article. After he earned a master's degree in business and education, Brunson took a job selling Burroughs business machines. While on his route, Brunson sat in a poker game in the back room of a pool hall. And he says, I quote, I cleared a month's salary in less than three hours. I didn't need one of those Burroughs machines to tell me those numbers didn't add up. So I quit. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, yeah, you, that's just not happening anymore. The idea that like this guy bet on himself. He's just some Texas redneck who yep. has uh, documented career earnings over $6.1 million. So that's just all we know about. Right. He won back-to-back World Series of Poker Championships. I mean, that probably won't happen. He wasn't the last one to do it. But, but it's – yeah, I doubt and that's going to happen again. <laughs> and I remember when I was I was in middle school. Maybe I was in high school at this point. But he wrote a book, Super System. Uh, it came out you know, probably in like the late 80s. And I fucking read the whole thing and I thought that I was going to like, you know, scam my friends out of $3 every week. Not scam them, but, you know – they weren't very now bright. Now you got so. the advantage. <laughs> All because of Texas Dolly, Doyle Brunson. You see in Rounders? Uh, I can't remember. I have Johnny Chan's in, in Rounders. Yeah, Johnny Chan. Uh, when was the first time you guys remember playing poker? But play, playing it like for real, not like with your... My grandma taught me how to... I mean, my friends like having tournaments, you know, at either my friend's house or my house. I mean, I remember the first time I ever played where I was like, oh, this is a serious game. Um, I was 17 years old and I was playing at this pizzeria in my town where one of my childhood friends fathers was like, he wasn't necessarily like a mobster, but he ran card games out of this pizzeria. He was kind of, I think he was like a low level bookie. Um, great guy, you know, hosted games with a lot of degenerates and, you know, guys who I was way out of my depth at 17. And I just remember losing $400. I bought in for 200, two times. I was out within like 45 minutes. You know, I was way mm-hmm. out of my depth and then just walking home. Uh, being like, God damn, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, we used to play poker every Friday night when when I started in middle school. So whatever year Chris Moneymaker won the World Series, that's the first year we played every Friday night all the way up until like junior, all the way up until senior year of high school. We would order a Wegmans big sheet pizza nice, or we would get Domino's pizza and each of us would have our own individual cheesy bread. Yep. Um, and I was fucking good. I was I was better than all my friends at poker, just because I understood like playing the basic way of playing and not being super, you know, loose. Um, <laughs> there was one time where me and my buddies we heard about this tournament that apparently happened at a Knights of Columbus. Oh and yeah. We were about eighteen at the time. We showed up at the Knights of Columbus at some New Jersey town, and we knocked on the door, and some guy answered. And we're like. Uh, we heard there's a card game here, and he's like, "How old are you, kids?" We're like, <laughs> "We're seventeen. Like, he's like, "Yeah, there's no card." Game <laughs> yeah, I, middle school, I think for me was when we first started playing too. Um, 
I love playing cards. You know, I play it a lot looser. Uh, Some might bit say of a cowboy out there. Fast, the baby. Doyle invented the super system. You invented the Lucy system. <laughs> <laughs> I love having a few beers and bullying the table around until all my money's gone. Listen, it's uh, it's a fun way to begin or end an evening. You know. Yeah, it really is. Uh, speaking of fun, I have a little game for us to play mm. regarding poker. Um, watching some of these clips with Doyle and Daniel Negrano and all these professional poker players, I started thinking, man, he he must be fun to play cards with. I mean, I'm sure if you're losing to him, it's not fun, but just the personality, you know, you're playing cards with somebody, you're going to be there yeah. for a couple hours. Uh, and I thought, who else would I want at the poker table? Mm. Who would be at your dream poker table? You can pick five people. Five people besides myself. And I have my five. Are we talking poker players or it could be anyone? No, anyone. Anyone that you just would want to play a friendly game of poker with. Then you'd have a fun night playing okay. poker with. And I am prepared to go first if you yeah, guys yeah, need well, a I also, I also you definitely want to should double go dip. first. So, yeah, you go first. Because I think okay. we might have some well, uh, some some ones in common. You're going to be okay. surprised. I think I did put a lot of thought into this, and I thought I mean, about it because I, I didn't so want to make it zero thought into it. <laughs> yeah, it's good I content. Gotta of, I got to think of five people. This is like the kind of question you ask the president of the United States, and he gets the fucking answer. He gets the question a month in advance, and I'm here <laughs> trying to think of something on the fly. Well, when you become the president, Adam, we'll give you more notice on our shitty content. Um, I mean, listen, all right, maybe I, if I ran. <laughs> my number one, uh, Matt, you know, I'm a big fan of this guy and I've been talking a lot about him lately. Uh, he's a hero of mine for so many reasons. Number one is obviously Charlie Ooh. Sheen. Good. I wouldn't, mm. have, I wouldn't, How have, fun. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone with that. I don't think that's good. Can't do I feel, Vegas I without I Charlie Sheen. Yours is, I, I think I know who one of yours is, Mikey. Do you want to take a guess? Yeah. Go ahead. You want Stanley Tucci <laughs> at that table. No, I do love Stanley Tucci. He is my guy, but not at a poker table. I want to have like a cocktail with him. Like let him mm. mix up a, a martini and a shaker for me and just, you know, we'll talk about can art they, or can, whatever, living or, or dead. Italy. Like, oh, okay. living wow. or dead. That's, this is great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number two for me, <laughs> Lawrence mm. Taylor. Solid. One of the great psychos of our of our of our time. Absolutely. I mean, you want to talk about partying in Vegas with somebody and just like seeing what he would do in a controlled environment like a poker table with waitresses coming over and like women walking by and people being drunk. I mean, I'd be afraid of him the entire night, but Lawrence Taylor is my number two. I like it. Do you think that would be a little too much, though, Mikey? Remember, remember when we all went to Atlantic City and there was that the guy snake. at the table who, the snake, who was a certified character, but I feel like he overstayed his welcome a little bit, and nobody wanted him there. Oh, fifteen minutes. Uh, Lawrence Taylor is going to overstay his welcome for sure. The problem is, but who's who's going to get yeah, right? Who's going to get him out of the casino? <laughs> and you know who else is going to overstay his welcome, boys? My number three on this list, Hank Williams Jr. Oh man, he's he's showing up. He's at the, he's drunk before he gets to the casino. He's smacking waitresses on the ass. He's saying the n word. But they're telling him, "You sir, you can't have that Confederate flag in here." And he pulls out a gun. Yep. yep. They're saying, <laughs> "Sir, you can't have that gun in here." Then he pulls out another gun. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then he pulls out the knife in his shoe. He's, you know, he's a certified madman, but I'm sure that guy can fucking rip it down at the poker table. And I mean, listen, we're all aware, uh, you know, he is a public racist. So you'd think, how is how are Hank Williams and Lawrence Taylor going to get along at the poker table? But, you know, when two people like that, when their eyes meet across the table, they understand each other and they love each other. You're talking about two grade A unhinged party psychopaths. These guys are going to get along great. We're going to have a great time at this table. Uh, number four on my list. Now, this may be shocking. Nixon. 
<laughs> Obviously, Richard Nixon is going to be dart. His eyes are going to be darting all over the table in, with complete paranoia. Uh, I would love to see what Nixon's poker face looks like. I, I would love to know if he was hanging on to like pocket aces, if he could keep it under his hat or if he's going to start sweating or, mm. or what the deal is. I would love to just see Nixon in such a vulnerable state at a table uh, with Lawrence Taylor, Charlie Sheen, <laughs> me, and Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> I had right, to put a president it. on there, right? Yeah, you got to. And yeah, and, and and I got mine, and I went in a different. Wait, direction hold on. I, I have be. one more. I have one more on oh, my. Okay. My number five mm. uh, guest at this poker table is the Korean lady who yelled at me for splitting aces at the blackjack table in Atlantic City when we went. <laughs> Matt, do you remember that woman? I do, yes. <laughs> I mean, you got to have an Asian lady at the table. Come on. She's a card shark. All right. Now, I only thought of four, but you're going to notice a common theme in mine. Okay. That's, that's Big Foss is going to walk away with the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, meatloaf. Oh, yeah. I love I feel it. like he would be loose and stupid. Gary Busey, completely fucking gone. Yeah. Number two. I love number both three, of these, man. Number three, Terry Shiva in her <laughs> later years. <laughs> and and I will include a president of my own. And that president, and really, you could pick a lot of presidents. I could pick the late Ronald. I could pick Ronald Reagan in his later years. But I'm going to go with Joe Biden today because I want to. I want people to know that I beat the fucking president in a game of poker. Yeah. That's a good list, Matt. Sure, I mean, Adam. <laughs> and I think the conversation would be good, ah. but I'd be winning the whole time, right? So you had you would had the Shivo? conversation be good? Shivo, Busey, Biden. <laughs> I think the conversation would be good. That's Shivo and Busey there table right there. <laughs> We've got dementia. Can you, imagine, can you imagine you walk into a poker room and you see that table, and then there's just me sitting there, and you just look at me, and I'm like. <laughs> don't say anything <laughs> yeah, right man dementia brain dead and that's just Biden. No. <laughs> yeah yeah um so that that's your table adam that's my table oh man i'm on the spot i'm on the spot all right so the first one that came to mind to me this is like a no-brainer uh alex jones Oh, yeah, it's a very Matt pick. Um, we need somebody with that sort of energy, that level of just being totally, completely unhinged. Mm-hmm. And then whenever he loses, it's not his fault. Right. You know, it was they were conspiring against. Yeah. Him. He's um, seen the files. Yeah, he's he he can tell you why the deck is stacked against him. You know, they're trying to this is the last stage of deep platform right. is is causing him to lose at the poker table. Of course. Uh then number 2, I'm going to have JFK because Ooh. he's, you know, we've all got to have a president. He's the coolest president. Yeah. Ask not what Nate can do for you. Right? That's what the, a king could the, do for your The eyes. interactions between him and Jones would be incredible because Jones would be telling him what happened and who did it. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be yeah, great. Yeah. So we've got Alex Jones. We've got John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, after that, I'm going to go with Michael Jordan because he's, regardless of how many hands he loses, he's just going to keep shoveling money into the pot. Yeah. The ultimate competitor can also be the ultimate fish. Yeah. And he's not going to so, be looking. Gonna, he's going to be, he's going to turn his back. Yeah. Yeah. And when you finish up, Maddie, I got my fifth person. Okay. And then I didn't clear this with you, Mike, but can we have fictional characters? Yeah. Why not? Fuck it. So then we got to have Tony Soprano. Oh yeah. That's good. We got to have Tony Soprano playing with me, Alex Jones, Kennedy, JFK, yeah. Michael Jordan at the Borgata. You got to have Tony Soprano in that game. I love it. Do you have one more? And then yeah. my fifth and final player is going to be none other than Vladimir Putin because I'm going to be doing some serious side bets when it comes to yachts and Russian oil. You know, imagine having Putin by the balls. You've just been breaking them all night. I could potentially control in all of Eastern Europe by the end of the night. So that's my five. You'd be a king, Matt. Absolutely. I could become an oligarch. I could become a king. I could become, I could have nuclear codes by the end of the night. 
I love it. Adam, who's your fifth? You know, everyone says if I could have a time machine, I'd go back and kill Hitler. Well, I'd play him in a game of poker and take some money. <laughs> That's high stakes. That that is Jewish revenge. That Adam. is high stakes. The <laughs> Six stakes. million dollar pot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, All right. Well, we got to start wrapping up here. But before we do, we have to do our favorite segment. We do it every single week. Uh, It's the Howard. Oh, my God. I almost said Howard Roisman. It's the Howard Ratner. No shot parlay of the week. Mikey, we won last week. Did we both hit? Yeah, I had the over in uh, what was it? The Yankees. Was it the Yankees and the Blue Jays? I want to say it was nine and a half. Hmm. It was whatever was the Yankee game last Wednesday. I looked it up before we went on just to see, and we hit. What was the payout? Uh, The payout was not incredible. It was Mm. like plus 180 because we were both about minus – I believe it was both minus 105. Yeah. But, yeah, I took the over in that game nine and a half, and the Yankees scored 11 runs on their own. Hey, Mm. there it is. All right. Well, Adam, you weren't here last week, so why don't you go first this week? What do you got? All right, for my my leg of the parlay, I am going to the Washington Nationals at Miami Marlins game tomorrow. We've got Mackenzie Gore on the mound, and I am betting him to get over five and a half strikeouts at plus 120. Um, this game, by the way, between the Nationals and the Marlins is the perfect argument for why sports betting exists in the first place, to make a game that nobody cares about mildly exciting. Gore is 24 years old. He's already got 51 strikeouts over eight games this season, so that's already above his his rate. And he's playing the Marlins, who are averaging about eight and a half strikeouts a game. There you go, boys. There we go. You're welcome. Well done. It's like you care. <laughs> uh, Matt, what do you got? All right, so uh, I'm going with a baseball game tomorrow as well. Sports betting, uh, you know, finding these these underdog plays, getting a, a little bit more difficult as the, the leagues are winding down. Uh, mm. But I'm going to go with the Yankees run line tomorrow at the Blue Jays. Uh, minus one and a half, of course, the run line at plus 140. It's already dropped before we started recording. It was plus 150. So it's already dropped 10 cents. Uh, we've got Cole. On the mound, 5-0 and this year with a 2.22 ERA. Uh, if there's anything you know about uh, angel numbers, 2-2-2 is lucky. So I'm all in. $8,000 bet on Yankees, minus one and a half. Rock and roll. All right. Last and possibly least, we go to the NASCAR All-Star Race Sunday at 3.30 p.m., Austin Dillon in the Bass Pro Shops number three car plus forty five hundred. Wow. How'd I pick this if I don't watch NASCAR? You ask. Well, I closed my <laughs> eyes, I lifted my finger, and I said, "Austin Dillon. <laughs> Why will he be better than Tyler Reddick? Why will he be better than William Byron? Why not? They're all driving cars. Who the fuck are these guys?" <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> They're driving cars. I can't wait till AI takes. That is going to be the first job that a, the first sports uh, job that AI takes over is NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Just let the cars run. I mean, it's going to be about building the best. Car. I think uh, Ridiculous. You know, I was earlier today. I was playing. You guys remember that game crash team racing? Back in the day, yeah. I was playing that and, you know, there's all sorts of power ups. You could do like missiles and like nitro and stuff. So it's like, why don't we just like I would watch NASCAR if they had like weapons and like little things they could do to each other. You know what I mean? Like just car racing on its own is not totally enough for me. I need I need a well, extra that, bro. That's a fucking idea. Right? I don't see why it's any idea. Why is it more dangerous than UFC? Yeah. And just allow people like maybe like people that are on death row or something could be the drivers because it's like, you know, they don't really have a shot anyway. So if they want to do it, let them do it. Like rollerball. Yeah. That is so smart. Honestly, that's a great. I love the idea. I love it too. No, I love the idea of like giving our death row inmates a a second purpose in life. We're moving towards a a society and a culture that is defined only by our depraved entertainment. 
And if these people are going to die already yeah. anyway, let them have cars. With Put them in a car. Why can't we? Why can't? <laughs> why can't we bring gladiators back if people sign a waiver? Listen, you fight for your freedom. You're on death row. You're like, what else you got going on? You fight for your freedom. Well, you can't fight you for your freedom. You can't put that guy back. No, into if you society. win Gladiator, if you win Gladiator, you get out. If Jeffrey Dahmer could pull it together and kill off the rest of Death Row, if he, he can kill gets John Wayne Gacy free. and Charles Manson and Timothy McVeigh, right? And listen, we didn't say we were going to release him in the, the United States. We could let him out in Canada. That's a great point. Yeah, or Mexico, Anywhere, right? Yeah. So, anyways, okay. So, Mike, yours was plus forty five hundred. And yes. Adam, yours was plus, plus one twenty. This boys, let me tell you, if we hit plus forty five hundred, if, if we Mikey, hit Jesus. this, holy suck oh, it, it. this, it's gonna hit. Whoa! So a hundred dollar bet, twenty four thousand one hundred eighty eight dollars. Uh, guys, I don't know if you know what that means, but if if we hit this bet, we're retired. Okay. <laughs> Yo, no more sports group. Three episodes in and that's it. You'll never see us again. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we get out of here, boys? Um, no, I'm good. All right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. This is the sports group. You can hear us every Wednesday. Uh, the YouTube videos, they're still not up yet. They're getting there though. I promise we're going to, we're going to get there. We appreciate you listening. I'm Mike Coscarelli. You can find me at Mike Coscarelli on all social platforms. Matthew. I'm at Matt Lejeski on, uh, everything, but the dark web. Uh, I'm not going to reveal my, my handle there quite yet. Adam. At it's Adam Foster. And that's it for the sports group. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, a goodbye.